You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Masterclass. And for our masterclass today, we are talking all things golf. All things golf. Yes. And we've got Dave Yusendorf who joins us in studio. Dave, how are you doing? Well, Lebeth, firstly, it's an absolute privilege to be here. Thanks for inviting me. And I, I look forward to the next couple of minutes talking about the game that makes me tick. I'm very, very excited. And I think um, there, there may be some misconceptions around golf. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, the part that I'm very curious about is how it got introduced into South Africa. So in a moment, we will go into the sort of the evolution of golf in SA. But if you were to summarize what golf is in one sentence, what would you say? It's just the most amazing golf that uh, the most amazing game, which just um, I think it it just it creates so much fun. It has so many different peripheral things that that this is not one sentence that, <laughs> that makes it uh, it makes it enjoyable. And whether yes. it be competitive or just uh, camaraderie or networking um, and engaging with nature, I think it sort of sums up most of the the wonderful attributes of golf. Would you would you sort of consider it a bit not just a game and a sport, but also a bit of a lifestyle? Absolutely. I think it's all consuming. You know, when you look at the complexities of the game and beyond the game, when we talk about, you know, the, the functionality of the game, the people working in the game, the lessons, the books, the TV, it's, it, it, it is a whole lifestyle and it encompasses so many things. So there's opportunity in just about every element of the game, whether it's playing it, learning about it, teaching it or working in it. Uh, mm. It's a wonderful game. So let's let's talk now um, just about yourself and your career. And I'd love, obviously, the listeners to get to know how much of a pro you are. And, of course, we are just so honored to have you in studio with us. Share with us where your career began um, in terms of golf. At, like, what, how were you even introduced to golf? Well, I think, I think for a lot of people of my age, obviously I'm quite, a, quite an old guy these days, but when I was a kid, um, we got introduced by our parents, predominantly by your father. And, and my introduction to golf was caddying for my father. So I would go along on Saturday and pull his trolley, and I think I used to get paid two rand for 18 holes. But um, That's I learned, a lot of work. <laughs> but two rand was a lot of money back then. Absolutely. It's all relative, you know. I think so we used to get two rand, and I'd drag this bag around, and I'd have the opportunity to meet his friends and engage with adults and learn about the intricacies of golf and the rules and, and the multitude of things that make a difference. And, I, and we've always said, you know, golf doesn't necessarily make the next champion, but it definitely makes better people. And I think I was very fortunate that I benefited from the rules and the etiquette. And those are things that stayed with me for a long time. So so I started as a young man, I think I was 12 or 13, used to caddy, and that evolved into a permanent job. I, I used to go to Rand Park on the weekends. My dad would drop me off, and I'd stand in the queue with all the other caddies. And um, at that time, I was the only white kid there, so mm. I got pushed to the back of the queue. But I, I found a way to make baits with all the caddies, who are still my friends today, some yeah. 45 years later. And um, I used to carry, eventually I got this German guy. So the poor guy couldn't hit a wall with a handful of rice. But I used to drag his bag around, find the ball, and he used to pay me three rand fifty. That was like a lot of money. So that evolved into playing golf. I'd save up a little bit of money and play on Sundays with a wonderful professional at Rand Park back in the day, Kobe Lekranji. And uh, he gave us lessons and taught us. And so the passion and love for the game sort of grew. I then got sort of sidetracked with other sports during my, my schooling career. And uh, when I went to do national service, 
um, the sports that I had chosen at the time, cricket, was badly organized, and I saw a lot of guys getting off for golf. Mm. So I started putting a bit of effort into golf and became a golf professional. And uh, just, to be, just to be clear, there's two different kinds of professionals. It's always confusing conversation because you get what we call PGA qualified professionals. Those are the teachers of golf, the administrators of golf, the guys who run the game. And then, of course, the tour players who we all aspire to being. Mm. Those guys generally drive the industry because, you know, we want to be like them. So I was a bit of both, played a little bit of tour golf, but but sort of worked my way up in a, from a management point of view through various jobs and golf director. And, and uh, just a couple of years ago, I sort of finished my administrative career, so to speak, for now as the director of golf at the Four Seasons Golf Course in Mauritius, mm. which was just the cherry on the top. And so in a nutshell, it was my, my sort of golfing career. I've obviously played with a multitude of people, and I can honestly tell you, Libra, I can't count more than the, all the fingers on my one hand of the people I wouldn't ever want to play golf with again. Wow. Just amazing people, you know. Mm-hmm. So the sport, um, as I said right up front, it, it, it has so many different elements to it. And each one of it has got its own level of enjoyment, challenge. And uh, I think the underlying passion for the game is what, what brings the sport together for so many people and definitely for me. Mm. And I'm I'm just, you know, listening to you speak about being this young caddy. Um, I want to talk briefly about, you know, a person might think a caddy is just there to carry a bag around or pull it on a trolley. But actually, the job is a lot harder than that. Wow, you know, when you, you know. look look at the caddies that um, are, I would almost call it like the professional caddies that become the right hand man of the, the player that's playing because they're also so familiar with the course. No, absolutely. And there's a, there's a psychological element to that. There's a mentorship element. There's, there's obviously the information and the exchange of information during the round. And if we take as a wonderful example, Steve Williams, who caddied for Tiger Woods, the greatest player of our time. Um, for a number of years became a very, very wealthy man by virtue of that. But really? Yeah, he's a, wow. the wealthiest sportsman in New Zealand. Wow. As a caddy. So, but in our own country, we've got some amazing caddies. Zach, who, who's been caddying for the likes of Brandon Grace, um, Christian Besaidenot, et cetera, et cetera, has made a lot of money, but he deservedly so because he's such an integral part of the preparation and planning for the round. And then obviously the consultation with the player over the shot, what should he and should he be doing mm-hmm. to understand that person's character, his pressures, and be able to deal with it and, and, and calm them down. One of the really good caddies, good friend of mine, Alan Burns, who currently caddies for um, Hack. Um, oh man, how can I forget his name for a second? Please it's okay, it, it happens. But, yeah, but he's he's been Justin Harding. He's caddied for a number of players, and he he's a guy who is really really influential by virtue of his calmness. Mm. Because you can well imagine under the gun in the last couple of holes, and you're playing for a couple of hundred thousand rand and TV time, and people are watching you. There's a multitude of distractions. So that in particular is when a caddy really has an influence. Um, in most recent times, Henny Duplessis, who is, a, in my opinion, the most exciting young golfer in South Africa at the moment, is playing in Europe. Um, Zach is on the bag for him, and Zach has made a huge difference to him in terms of the way he thinks, the way he prepares himself, mm-hmm. and most importantly, how he handles the pressure. So you, so the caddy is almost like a coach of sorts during um, the game, coach slash cheerleader slash chief advisor, if we could call it all of that. No, absolutely. And I think, I think the opportunity for us to educate the golfers more around the value of a caddy is very, very important because the caddy's job, as you rightly started off by saying, is just pull the bag along and, and you know, st- keep up and shut up. 
yeah. kind of thing and clean the clubs. Those days are over and, and there's a lot of value that a caddy can bring. But the caddy has to bring attitude and, and enthusiasm to the game as well. So I think sometimes there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Obviously, the caddy, these days the caddy is probably about 300 to 500 rand per round. Mm. So the golfer is looking to get the value for his experience mm. and the caddy needs to participate in it. We always say, you know, the caddy, when he gets on the first, he puts on his Mickey Mouse suit to an he's in show business. It's time to, to understand as quickly as he possibly can the player and then assist him with his round and, and make it entertaining for him and enjoy himself as well. You love doing your job. I see you just smiling all the time. You have a great time. <laughs> it's so important. Yeah, if you don't like really your job, you can't, you can't do it properly. It doesn't come out well. Yeah. So there's a double side there. But, you know, generally the caddies that are out there, they really make a difference and they play a very important role in, in the game. O double one double eight three O seven O two the WhatsApp line O seven two seven O two one seven O two send through your comments, your messages, your questions. This is a master class on golf and our guest is with us in studio, Dave uh Usendorf. Is it Usendorf or you? I think I've been called lots worse things in the <laughs> It's, it's just Usendorf. Usendorf. Okay. There we go. Dave is standing by to answer all of your questions. When we come back, we're going to talk about the evolution of golf in South Africa. 702 Masterclass. 20 minutes after 2 o'clock, 011-883-0702. You can give us a call this on, uh, for this Masterclass on golf and the WhatsApp line 072-702-1702. We're in conversation with Dave Usendorf, Master Professional PGA uh, Golfer. So, um, Dave, from your side, talk to us about the evolution of golf in South Africa. When would you say, you know, um, it's it became a thing to the point that we even had to start having our own golf courses? Well, that's a, that's a great question, Libby, because that goes back all the way to the late 1800s where we had an influx of people coming here from, particularly from Scotland and England, came here and decided that the, the, the topography in the various areas was suitable for the game of golf. Mm. And a lot of those people arrived into Cape Town, Port Elizabeth, uh, Peter Maritzburg, in fact. And while the first golf club was kind of almost formulated in Kronstadt of all places by a Scottish gentleman who had come out and decided to do that, they never constituted properly. So we go to back down to Cape Town where the golf course, the Cape Golf Club was constituted in, I think it was about 1886. Mm and became the first golf club in South Africa. That was followed by Peter Maritzburg Golf Club. Then there were a couple in Port Elizabeth, and then it sort of started moving up towards the, the greater Johannesburg area where, where a lot of people were moving. So it was the very, very early days. And the golf courses were created, and a lot of the, the professionals, the teachers, came from particularly from Scotland and started introducing the game to the people that lived here. And that was, you know, that goes back quite a long time. And that history in the world terms is, is quite significant because there's some of the oldest tournaments are in South Africa, some of the older golf clubs are in South Africa. So there's a, there's a wonderful heritage of golf in South Africa. But at the same time, as it evolved, you know, particularly in the, in the sort of mid 1900s, that's when the, the sort of golf estate market started. And probably San Lemire, I think, is one of the first. They've just recently celebrated 40 years of existence down on the south coast. That was a, a sort of uh, investment from Sunlum in those days, and they built a facility which got about 700 homes on site and a beautiful golf course and set a trend. But Dennis Barker was a was a gentleman who bought a farm at Selborne, and also on the south coast. He had mm. been 
um, in Canada on a, on a farming convention and noticed these housing developments with golf courses and decided to do one himself. Mm. Built a beautiful thing. And then, you know, that's happened. So I'm, I'm not 100% sure how many golfing estates there are in South Africa. There's probably about 450 approximately golf courses. Some have closed, some are opened. There's nine holers and so on. Mm. So there's, there's quite a lot of golf courses per capita. There's probably about 145,000 golfers in South Africa, registered golfers. You could probably almost triple that in terms of participating golfers. Mm. So golf is alive and well in South Africa, and we've got some of the greatest golf courses in the world, never mind just on the continent. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I want to do is to quickly, um, and of course at any time, any of you can give us a call or send through a WhatsApp, is to, quick, to quickly take a call. Yabinga in Cape Town, how are you? Fine, how are you? I'm good. Yabinga, can you talk straight into your handset? We're struggling to hear you. Okay. Um, basically, I'm, I'm new to golf. Uh, I don't play it. Uh, I cared for my son. Mm. Uh, uh, he's 11, he's 11 now. He, he started uh, quite a while back. Yes. Uh, I, I like what the game does for him, you know, the confidence and so forth, his communication skills, inter, interpersonal skills and all of that. No? But um, I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, thinking, uh, he's 11 now. Uh, I, I told myself that I would do this project until maybe 18. Yeah? Mm. Hopefully we'll see the direction then, you know. Mm. Uh, but what I, what I see, I, I, I do follow golf. Like, uh, I, I, I'm aware that there are many uh, golfers, professional golfers, PGA, uh, DQ World Tour, and so on. But all of them uh, are white. Uh, you know, mm. and uh, it kind of worries me. Which, uh, right now, even right now, there are black guys. Who, I mean, there's, there's James Counter, although I, I don't see him featuring much uh, mm. on the on the world stage. Uh, I know I, I just miss their names, but there are very few African uh, players uh, from South Africa who are coming through. Mm. Whether ladies or whether uh, men, in fact, they, are, they hardly exist, mm. and that worries me. You know, with uh, investing so much time, and uh, what are the chances? How how are these players um, chosen to mm. to these world tours? I mean, just recently, Gareth. I think uh, he, 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 he's just 10 professional uh, at 22, I think, uh, but he's already won, uh, which is good, you know, which is good. Cristiano uh, Pereira, uh, you know, all of these guys, they play great goals, but I mean, I, I think Look, Yabinga, like, I think I think I get the gist of what it is that you are asking. I want to ask you a question. Do you know uh, James Kamte? Nickname is Cobra. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yes, he's, he's just one of the few. I got, you know? I got you, I got you. So let's let's do this. And yes, yes. No, I've I've got you, Yabinga. Thank you so much for your for for your question, and I'm so happy to hear that you're caddying for your son and supporting him. And you know, just to pick up off of that call, we've got a WhatsApp that says, "Can you please talk about the development of golf and why so few black players have broken into the world's top 50? South Africa continues to produce some of the best golfers in the world, but they're not." Golf 
golfers of color. Why is that not happening yet? And I mean, I, you know, just from certain reasons that are quite obvious is that the barriers to entry are high. Golf is not a cheap sport, can can already answer. But also I've had multiple conversations with my father who is very, very big into golf and him and his club, you know, they go and they try and support the kids in the townships by by helping them out. But from your perspective, why do you think, you know, with golf having been around this long, so f- with so many developments um, with young black players, even in other sports, why are we still struggling um, in the sport of golf? Mm. Well, thanks. You know, I think firstly, just the, the, the first opening statement, the gentleman who is taking the time and trouble to spend time with his son and, and make sure he's on the right track, that's, that's a massive tick. That's a wonderful, wonderful start. With regard to players of color, I mean, the greatest player of our time and the most influential golfer in the last 30 or 40 years, Tiger Woods, obviously is, is a shining light in the sport for people of color. I think the one thing that that is realistic, and you touched on it, firstly, the barriers to entry are significant in terms of the price to play, the opportunity to play. Kids are, are pressured with schoolwork, et cetera, et cetera. Access to golf courses, which, you know, most many black children are living in townships. Your golf courses are in your more affluent areas. 100%. But in those affluent areas, there are lots of young black people that are playing golf. And mm. um, I live and play golf at Silver Lakes Golf Club in, in Pretoria, where there's a lot of young black people that are playing golf and playing very good golf. Mm. The one thing, and I think to touch on the question was, how do these guys qualify? So it's it's relatively simple, but very complicated. So to play, you've got to go to what they call a tour school. It's a qualifying event. You, by virtue of your handicap in the short term and your ability to play, whether it be a provincial level, you'll be able to go and play at the qualifying school. The qualifying school doesn't look at colors or numbers or mm. sex or size or anything. If you can play, you get a card and you go and compete with the rest of the world. If you can't, you don't play. The gentleman touched on James Cumter, very, very talented young man, did exceptionally well. He was a caddy in St. Francis Bay. The, the, the local community and in, in particular a gentleman there who took care of him, mentored him, helped him. He got exposed to the tour. He played with Tiger Woods himself. He's been mm. around the world. He's played all over the place. He was exposed to lots of things, some of which I don't believe he was ready to handle mm. from a mental side. He ran into some some um, injury problems and faded away. He's trying to make a comeback right now. And all credit to him, he's working hard to get back to, to playing. But anybody who talks about golf, any sport for that matter, think that you just got to pitch up and hit a few shots and you're going to be good. It takes hours and hours of dedication. Mm-hmm. Gary Hugo is a seriously talented young man. He got the opportunity to go to America. He took the opportunity with both hands and won a tournament there. Changed his life. Changed his life forever. He now has playing rights all around the world and obviously all the money and fame and all those good Mm. things that come with it. But the primary thing was he worked very hard and he found a way. Mm. So I think from a developmental side, um, I lived in Port Elizabeth many years ago and there was a Peter Makata was a a professional back in the day. And Peter and I did a lot of work in, uh, in the local township helping children there. But, you know, unfortunately, the family structure and the support didn't give those children the back of house opportunity to develop into the sport. I'm so glad you said that because already even listening to the caller, the fact that and it's not to say it has to be, you know, necessarily the father supporting uh, their son. But it makes a massive difference having some kind of stable home structure and support for you to be in this for the long haul. When you hear of, for example, the kid that started playing golf at three, 
it's because a parent was committed to being a part of that journey with with that child. Hundred percent right. I was listening to you earlier talking about your one year old's birthday coming up. <laughs> And you're totally into that. And, and I am so your into little, it. Your little little guy has got every opportunity to be successful in his life because of you. And I think, you know, if it wasn't for my father, the influence my father had on me and my life, the lessons he taught me, the time he took to hold my hand through those processes, I would never have been able to play golf. So, you know, th- there's a multitude of things in the back of in, in the back of the room that need to be sorted. But there's a lot of young players that are getting opportunity on the tour by virtue of the tour's policy with regard to encouraging and promoting young black players. So there is opportunity. But like all of us, you only go and find it out for yourself. No one's going to come looking for you. Yeah. So if you're really dedicated, you and, and you know, the, the big problem is, for me is a lot of people don't want to work hard enough especially the young people they think everything comes too easy to them they need to work hard so because talent alone is not enough and there's some that are extremely talented from the moment they have that club um in their hands uh with them um but we are running a little bit late for news patrick i see you i think it's Rainier in pretoria i also see you all of your whatsapp messages and questions we're going to be continuing with this golf masterclass after eyewitness news headline 702 Masterclass. We are indeed in a masterclass. We're talking all things golf. And our guest for today is Dave Usendorf, Master Professional. Now, Dave, you know, obviously people have been uh, asking quite a bit about um, development, particularly players of color. But I just had a thought, which is that while the, 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 you know, the greatest player of all time currently in the world is, is a person of color, it is a general thing in golf that it's still quite considered a white man's sport. As in, it's not like t- Tiger, yes, is the most famous, but I wouldn't even be able to name other black professional golfers. Would you, Abel? Do you know anybody else but Tiger Woods? Tamagwini, do you know anybody? She also doesn't know anybody else but Tiger Woods. So is it fair to say that um, it, it is still quite an inverted commas, a white sport. I think it is very fair to say by virtue of the participation. But having said that, if you look at South Africa, which is unique to the rest of the world in terms of the evolution of our country, lots and lots of people have got their own clubs. There's, there's specifically black mm. golf clubs that are playing and they're creating their own cultures and they're part of the game. So those things will reap the rewards over time when their mm. children start playing and they get influenced, as we said in the top of the show, importantly is the involvement of parents and mentors and, and people that you can copy. I mean, let's just talk about some of these South Africans that we're forgetting about. Nobushli Dlamini, she plays on the Ladies European Tour. She's a fantastic golfer and she's got there through hard work. Mm. Her dad was influenced on her. Um, Joseph Dlamini was down in, in Swaziland. He influenced her, he coached her, he helped her, set a wonderful example and she's, she's taken the baton and run with it. I'm so glad you mentioned a woman because I was going to <laughs> say, you know, it's um, there's this thing in many people people's minds i mean we know that many women play golf now but it always felt like it was a boys club right where deals were made and women were excluded i agree with you but then a few years ago mm-hmm. there weren't too many ladies hosting talk shows and now you, <laughs> That's yeah, true. You've, you've pushed it out there so good to you i, I think um a, a very dear friend of mine um ellen yembi who is a fanatical golfer. She forces her husband to play golf. We play golf together regularly. And that's the evolution of this thing. We Mm. can't push it, you know. But I just want to go back to some of the players because on the tour at the moment, there's a young man, Keenan Davidson, 
Um, he's a he's a gentleman from from Cape Town. He's a hardworking young man. His golf his career is flourishing. He's influencing other people. Jacqueline Hess is a young guy from the Cape, who also he hasn't been the most talented guy, but goodness me, does that guy work hard? Mm. And he's learned how to promote himself. He's got confidence. He he gets sponsors. He's done it on his own. He's done it the hard mm. way. So so it is possible. It is it's difficult, possible. but it is possible. Let's quickly take a caller, uh, Patrick at uh, Wanderers. I think it is. Patrick, hi. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks, and you? Good program. What a nice program. And Dave, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you. Look, man, Dave, uh, I'm a golfer. Now, being a golfer, I've got clubs that have been given given by my boss. Those clubs are tightest. Now, he's a bit taller than me. I don't know whether he has adjusted the clubs or... They are just as, as they are. Because if I compare the five eyes that I'm using sometimes with the previous five eyes that I had, his five eyes is much longer than the, the one that I, I, I had before. And then one other thing. Uh, I'm a moderate player. I'm not a champion and I'm not a bad player. Mm. Now, it's turned down possible on a par five sometimes. A bigger point, Patrick. Is ten down on a par? What did you? Could you just repeat that? A, a par, par four. Yes. Mm-hmm. Dave knows what I'm talking about. There's par five. There's How? Par what? Why five. do you think I don't know what you're talking about? <laughs> I actually oh, do. Yes. We just didn't hear you. <laughs> That's all. We're asking okay, you to repeat thank you, thank you. what you're saying. Thank you, thank you, my lady friend, seven and two presenter. Now, that par, that that par four, as a golfer. As I say, I'm a moderate player. Is it possible? Because I, I understand any uh, else got a 10, uh, 10 down. And I don't know whether, whether it was par 5 or par, par 1. I, I can't remember, but it was only on a competition. As you know, that any uh, else is a professional. Now, if I am as a moderate player, if I get 10 down, will I be embarrassed or shall I just forget about golf? I don't know. Now, one other thing. We've got a clap in Alexander. Maybe Dave will help us on that. We need sponsor. We have about 20 or 14 players. Thank you. I'll listen, I'll listen to you on the radio. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you so much uh, to Patrick in Wanderers. So the first question is about can he shorten his clubs? Well, Patrick, I think that's such a wonderful question because equipment is so vitally important. I've said to a lot of people, you can run the comrades in your flip-flops, but it won't be such a cool experience. And it's the same with your golf equipment. So if you are a slightly shorter man or obviously shorter than the gentleman who gave you the golf clubs, you'd be well advised to go to your local PGA professional. It wonders there is a, is a wonderful guy there who can help you. And just make sure that your clubs have been... Um, tailored to your specific needs. So that's very, very important. And, and that goes for everybody. You know, equipment these days can be made up for exactly for your ability. It's not a matter of just taking something off the shelf anymore. And there's a multitude of qualified people who can help you do that. With regard to your question about 10 down, I wasn't quite un- quite understanding that. So I think it means if you're 10 under par, and 10 under par would be a, a tour professional quality player. And if you can shoot 10 under par, you should go straight to the tour and see if you can go and qualify because you are much better than you told <laughs> us that you might be. Yes. So, but Patrick, thank you for your call because I think the, the, the question about a technology and, and equipment is, is vitally important. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. Um, so so um, just in terms of, and I mean, I know there's so many things we want to try and cover while also engaging with the listeners and 
of course, your your questions can keep coming through. Can you just explain some of the terms, you know, because this is a master class. We're golfing 101. What is a par? Well, that's a, that's a wonderful question. So what happened over time, the holes were laid out, different distances with different obstacles and so on. And over time, people realized, this is a very simple version of the explanation, that a hole that extended more, less than 250 meters would be considered to be a par three. That means that you should only play three shots if you were a scratch golfer on that particular hole. Mm. A par four would obviously be four shots and a par five. They're all determined by distances. Most golf courses will have 10 par 4s, 4 par 5s, and 4 par 3s. And that will add up to 72. So if you're a golfer that regularly shoots 72, your handicap will be 0. If you're a golfer who regularly shoots 80, your handicap will be 8 over 72. So that will be an 8 handicap. And that gives you a very, very, very broad description of how that's worked out. The handicapping system is amazing because when you start playing golf soon, you and I can play. Please don't look at me because (laughs) I went to golf lessons. I've got clubs and it just, I didn't have the consistent time to actually get decent at it. I'll be honest. Like you, you have to be consistent with going to lessons, but bless my father's soul. He did try. He did try. I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier. You know, the good players work exceptionally hard to be good. Just to be able to handle yourself, you have to put in some time. So it does take yeah. time. And, and that is a, one of the failings of many of the young people. I think it's going to be quick. But anyway, so, so par is, a, is sort of hopefully gives you an idea. Handicap allows you and I to compete with each other regardless of your ability. Your handicap would be a record of your last couple of scores. It will give you a calculation and allow you a handicap. So for simplicity, let's say you were an 18 handicap. There are 18 holes on the golf course. Each hole has got a stroke. And that stroke is, is the, the relevance to how difficult the hole is. The mm. stroke one hole is the hardest and stroke 18 is the easiest. As an 18 handicap, the golf course is saying to you, you know what, you are not a scratch. So we're going to give you one shot on every hole. So if you shoot 90 minus your 18 handicap, means you shot a net 72. So you played in your handicap and you could have competed with me with a zero, I would have had to also shoot 72 to compete with you. I got you. I so, got you. So it's, that is the most beautiful thing about this game and that's why we can compete with such a diverse group of people and still have fun. If I play tennis against you, you probably beat me and I've got no chance. <laughs> but if I played rugby against you, I'd have a bit more chance. But there's, there's no, yes. you know what I mean? So yes. the handicapping system is a real, it's a wonderful a mechanism for people to enjoy the game together regardless of their ability that makes complete sense we've got a caller mts in sent and hi mts hi good, af- good afternoon all mm. um my question or advice is around disabled golf i've got a 10 year old son who's got terrible palsy <coughs> and we're looking for a sport or, or something for him to take on uh and our advi- uh, we, we got advice that we should speak to the Special Olympics Committee. But I, I'm an ex-golfer turned cyclist. Um, and I really like the idea of, of starting him off on golf. What, what would your advice be? Uh, or who do we speak to with regard to that? Uh, I'm MTS, this is such a beautiful call and absolutely so, so uh, relevant. Um, Dave, on your side? 
Well, there's a number of opportunities there. So it, at Swatkup Country Club, where my dear friend Dale Hayes is the, is the owner there, they have a very, very strong relationship with SA Disabled Golf. And in fact, some of the disabled golfers play league matches there. They've really encouraged participation. The handicapping system obviously allows them to compete efficiently. And then from the PGA point of view, PGA under the guidance of a gentleman by the name of Martin Brudet, they're very involved in Special Olympics, coaching young people with various forms of disability. So the disability is accommodated. I think all the peripheral benefits, the interaction with other children, the confidence that gets gained from playing golf, the, the learning about about people and all those peripheral things becomes that much more important. And uh, it gives opportunities for, for young people with disabilities to compete and, and most importantly have a lot of fun. You're more than welcome to contact the PGA of South Africa and uh, they'll be able to guide you in terms of Special Olympics. Thank you so much, Imtiaz in Santon. It is time to take a break. When we come back, we're wrapping up our Masterclass on Golf. 702 Masterclass. I'm looking at the clock and I'm freaking out at how little time we have and there's so many questions that I still um, have for you. So, I mean, you've you've touched on some of the golf terms. Obviously, we won't um, get through everything. But for a person that wants to start, what is what is the bare minimum that they need? Because obviously you've got clubs that some of, uh, um, sorry, yes, clubs that require membership. There are, um, you need equipment. Can people rent equipment? What, what is the bare minimum you can you need to have for you to be able to just start and get on a golf course or just be there practicing? That's such a great question because there's uh, so many misunderstood elements to it. Firstly, you just need a world to want to play. There are so many golf professionals that are dotted all over the country that can assist you with learning the fundamentals of the game. And that doesn't mean you need membership. You don't even need club. If you go along to a PGA professional, they can advise you as to how the process will work, sit down with you, understand your expectations, work a plan for you, and then you can get clubs that you don't even have to rent. They'll supply the clubs for the first couple of lessons, give you an opportunity to dip your toe in this world and see if it's something that you really want to do. There's even opportunities where you can buy one club at a time. You don't necessarily have to rush off and buy a full set of clubs. I fully understand all the women rush off and buy a lovely outfit. I understand that. <laughs> but it's not necessary. So so looking good yes. is part of it, and it, there's a very fashion. There's pressure. Listen, <laughs> people are there in their polo golf shirt. Like there's some serious pressure on the course. I think, Lever, you would look great in a black bag, so you don't have to worry about that. But, but you've got to get along there, introduce yourself, explain your expectations, be, be open-minded as to what you're going to go through, and then practice what you get told. Most people, they listen to their next-door neighbor, the other friend, the guys they play golf with, all of who are not qualified yep. to give them the necessary instruction, and it creates habits that influence the rest of their life. So get along to a professional, go through the process, let him explain everything to you. You don't have to spend any money than the, the money that you would have to spend to have the lessons. And if you go to the PGA's website, there's a host of professionals, as I mentioned, all over the country that would be only too willing to take you through the process, hold your hand, and educate you to a point where you can comfortably go on and play more golf. All right, we have got another voice note. Uh, good afternoon, everyone in the studio, and met and uh, seven or two listeners. I uh, just want to ask, what is it required for? for someone to participate in an essay golf 
tournament. Uh, this is Moses. Thank you so much, uh, Moses, for that message. So to participate in a golf tournament, and you did touch on it before about like being able to qualify, but maybe you can just reiterate for us again. Now, that's a great question from Moses. So I think, you know, primarily most of the events are organized through the Golf RSA. Golf RSA is a wonderful organization run by Grant Hepburn and his team, and they set up events all around the country. But the first thing is to be a member of a golf club. Once you're a member of a golf club, you'll get a handicap, you'll get the necessary credibility in terms of your playing ability, and you'll be able to enter tournaments. Most of those tournaments have got some form of criteria, whether it be handicap or something that's ability-related to allow you to play in the tournament. Then you go and play in the tournament. If you're a person who hasn't got become part of a golf club, there are some other options that you'll have to deal with through Golf RSA, where they can, again, allow you certain ways of getting into these tournaments. Not every tournament is a, a national tournament with with you know really good players. There's there's better ball tournaments that are run, fun events. There's a multitude of other things. And some of those events do allow people that don't have an official official handicap to participate. But when I steer away from that, to answer Moses' question, you need to join a golf club play in the golf club and then join the respective tournaments and that evolves from club level to regional mm. level to national level. Um, what is the relationship between putt-putt and golf? Well, you use the same weapons. I'm assuming then you must be really good at putt-putt. Well, that's a wonderful assumption. <laughs> Thank you, Liverpool. Putt-putt is a real fun part of golf. Putt-putt is a great place for young people to you go there. It's not very time-consuming. If you hit the shot, there's a backboard that stops the ball from going into the little dam. And you always find it, and you can have a lot of fun. So so we're trying to promote golf as a game of fun. You know, historically, you had these old guys walking around playing golf. It's not like that. It's a wonderful game, and there's, as I mentioned at the top of the show, there's so many peripheral benefits to it. So putt-putt is a great way to start. It's a great way to understand how to score. It's a good place to have a good smile and it's a great place for families to engage in the game. I'm so sad that we have run out of time, but what are your final thoughts that you want to share with everybody about the sport of golf, particularly in South Africa? I was very privileged to start this game at a young age under the influence of my fantastic father. It's given me a lifetime of joy. I've had the most amazing experiences, met wonderful people, and it's something that I would encourage anybody to do. Golf is a game for life. Whether you're good at it or not. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much, Dave, for being with us, particularly in this masterclass of golf. And I almost feel like we could possibly even have a second part because there's so many things that we did not cover. But what we you have shared with us and the insights that you've given and of course to all of the passionate listeners who are like we want to see more black players so to all of the parents who have the kids the parents of color if you can support or even if you're not a parent of color and you're willing to sponsor a child to get started in golf that is where it needs to happen Yes, go ahead. Just on that point, uh, my dear friend O.G. Malefi, who's a presenter on Supersport, he created a foundation, the O.G. Malefi Foundation, where he is not only teaching kids how to play golf, but they're giving life skills. He's, it's a complete package. And O.G.'s doing a wonderful job with young people of color, of course, and there's a multitude of people that help him do that. And if you want to expose your child to something special, O.G.'s the guy who can be the gateway to your champion. Dave Usendorf, Master Professional PGA, South Africa.